Wait a minute. Did I lose you? It's okay. I'm out of breath. (laughs) Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're really leaning into that and giving you an advanced screening of books that will release in the next couple of months. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and share our thoughts on a few books coming out in the next three months that we've already read. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Hi, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I am good. Hey, everyone. It is the first Tuesday of the month, so we wanted to take the time to invite you to join the Book Talk Etc. Patreon. Our Patreon community means so much to us, and literally your support allows us to do this and to take on bigger projects, so we thank you. If you want to join us for $5 a month, you will get access to all of our bonus content. Starting in March, we'll be welcoming our first Second Year Spoilers guest. Second Year Spoilers is a conversation that we host where we talk to an author about their book that came out last year and get into spoiler conversation about the plot. It will be hosted via Zoom, and I'm excited to announce that author Carola Lovering will join us to talk about her book, Too Good to Be True. And this is a book both Renee and I loved. And that patrons-only event will take place on Wednesday, March 2nd at 7 p.m. Central via Zoom, and will be recorded and released as a bonus episode. And in February, we'll be hosting our first Backlist Book Club meeting. This is a new reoccurring patron event. For this, patrons were able to suggest three backlist books they've had on their TBRs. And as a group, we voted for the winner. So on Saturday, February 26th at 3 p.m. Eastern, we're going to meet for a guided book club chat on Zoom for the Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osment. This is a great option for those who aren't in a in-person book club, or anyone who wants to get some hidden gems that aren't brand new. And in addition to these events, your support will get you an invite to our Mood Reader Happy Hour, which we love. Mm -hmm. You'll get some bonus podcast episodes, including Book Talk After Dark and Books We DNF'd. You'll get access to our spreadsheets, such as the master list of everything we share on the show and our double loves list, and access to our patrons-only Facebook group. If all of this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please join us and head to patreon.com slash booktalk, et cetera, to sign up. And I have one other thing to say, because I really wanted to share something about our Facebook group, which I am thoroughly enjoying checking in with every day. And one of my favorite parts about it is our weekly, what are you loving lately thread? We post that usually on Saturdays. There have, there have been so many ideas, products, tips, TV shows, skincare that other people have shared. And a lot of that is new to me. And then 
it's just so exciting to find other things that other people are loving and I can add it to, you know, my own either shopping cart somewhere or just something that I want to incorporate into my own life. And so that's a, that's a real highlight. And I want to encourage anyone who, who may just want to give us a try to head over and sign up. Yes, exactly. I do love the Facebook group. It gives me, a, it's almost dangerous. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And that sounds good. I want to try that. I, I want to try that. But you know, that's part of the fun, right? Exactly. So how are you? I am good. I'm excited. I'm really like buzzing. It's Friday when we're recording this. I've got mm-hmm. some good books to read. You know, I love an advanced reader copy. And I'm like, oh, how fun was it for me to be able to like get to some of these books that don't come out for a couple of months and read them? I know. What about you? I, I'm doing really good. And like, yes, like you said, I'm glad it's Friday. Have so, I have some fun plans with a friend tomorrow mm-hmm. as an early birthday outing for myself. And I don't know. I think it's just, that's it. I usually don't have any like great weekend plans, but we're going to do some fun things. So I'm looking forward to that. You have anything going on? No, we have nothing. I love a weekend that's like nothing planned. I'm going to get organized. I'm going to listen to audiobooks. I'm going to read, hang out with my kid and my husband. So that's like my favorite kind of weekend. Mm-hmm. So we've had a few in a row where we've done things. So I'm like, all right, it's time to reset and get everything organized. But first, let me tell you, speaking of getting organized, let me tell you about what I've been loving lately. Okay. And it is an idea that I got from one of our patrons named Heather. Okay. And it's a way to be more organized with meal planning. I personally hate coming up with new ideas about what to eat every day. And I saw Heather share this on her Instagram story, but basically she keeps a regular physical calendar, I assume in their kitchen. And what she does is every day writes down what their family ate for that meal. Mm-hmm. And so what's nice about this is then you have this year's log of the, the meals that you ate. So you're not trying to reinvent the wheel every week. You can go back to family favorites and try new recipes and, you know, keep what you guys liked and get rid of what didn't work. And I also wanted to share my go-to spot for recipe ideas. And it's from the website Skinny Taste. But what I like specifically about this website is that every week they put out a seven-day healthy meal plan. And it's got breakfast, lunch, and dinner ideas for the week. And it also includes their recipes. I love that. It's meant as a guide that gives you plenty of wiggle room for you to add more food. But it also says some days it's like, okay, you make a chili on Tuesday, leftovers for lunch on Wednesday. And it's super easy. For someone like me who suffers from decision fatigue, this has been a really good way to like get organized with eating instead of just saying, oh gosh, it's 4.30. What do we want for dinner? Let's order something. So I've been loving it and not super exciting, but hopefully helpful for some of you. It's meal planning and the website Skinny Taste. Those are great ideas. Yeah, I thought I would share. It's been working out really well. What about you? Um, Today, my loving lately, uh, I want to bring a company and it's Sweetwater.com. Have you heard of them? I know they're a beer, no. but I don't think that's what you're bringing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. They're actually the number one online music retailer in the U.S. And so they specialize in all things music. And they came on my radar last spring when we decided to do the podcast. And I wanted to support a smaller business. So I thought, you know, I'll give them a try. So I ordered my microphone, headphones, other podcast accessories from them. and. I remember that they actually called me after I received my products to see if I was happy. And so I filed that away. 
like, wow, that's unusual. So their prices are as good as or better than Amazon. And they have free shipping. But the reason they're back on my radar is because I recently got a new desk for podcasting. I had been podcasting off of a teeny, teeny, tiny like student desk. So I said to my husband, I'd really like to see if there is some sort of attachment I can put onto the end of the desk where I can hang my headphones. And he said, I'll check online for you and find something. And I said, check sweetwater.com. So he ended up finding me the perfect clamp that goes on the end where I can hang the headphones and the cords. And then he said, hey, by the way, that company that you told me about, they called me on the phone. (laughs) They told me where the order was in the shipping process and said that in the past they had worked with you. And so they just wanted to check in with me. And I said, I told you the level of customer service is amazing. And he's been in sales for 30 years and he couldn't believe it. So give them a chance, especially if you have music needs or people have kids who need supplies or um, take a look at them at sweetwater.com. That's amazing. And that goes to show like good customer service really, really makes you stand out. And like you want your customers to feel good. That's kind of what I hope to bring to our podcast, even though like we're not, you know, a brick and mortar or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But I want our listeners to like walk away like feeling good and knowing that we we genuinely do appreciate their listening. Exactly. Exactly. That little bit of extra effort, it, it just makes a difference. So what have you been reading lately? Oh my goodness. I have, okay, this this uh, is going to be a real high-low high for me, although my low is not too low. My low is like kind of mid-range, okay. but I have two books that I really liked, and I'm so excited to tell you about them. My latest read was a book called The Pull of the Stars by Emma Donahue, and this was super popular, so I'm sure listeners have heard of this one. I listened to this book, loved the narration, and I'm so glad that I got around to it. It's set in Dublin in 1918, near the close of World War I. And the story takes place over the course of about 48 hours or so, where you have maternity nurse Julia Power caring for patients that are ill with the flu. It's 1918, and it's not just any flu. It's the Spanish flu. And I was doing some research and remembered that the 1918 pandemic was the deadliest in history, and about 500 million people had gotten infected from it. And it was super lethal. And you go through that in this book. It is a very intense book, very intense situation. And obviously, if you're not interested in reading about a pandemic, wait on this. But if you are, there's so much to this story. What I loved was the author folded in a ton of social issues into this maternity ward because it's set in Dublin in the early 1900s. And she definitely includes that and includes a doctor named Kathleen Lynn, who is a compassionate physician. And she has ties to the contentious Irish independence movement. So they call her a rebel. Like the cops come in the middle of this hospital to try and talk to her. You also have Bridie Sweeney, who is a vibrant young volunteer from a Catholic boarding house. And she basically is volunteering and gets thrown in with the nurse and helps them out, even though she doesn't have any training. I grew to care so, so much about these women, both the caretakers as well as the women giving birth, and was on the absolute edge of my seat for most of this story. You wouldn't think, like, okay, you're going to be in a hospital for two days, but this was riveting. I would not recommend this if you are currently pregnant, because it does include very detailed descriptions of childbirth. So just a note there. But I was in absolute awe 
both of mothers as well as of the nurses and doctors that care for them. If you like science and healthcare, I think you would really, really get a lot out of this book. And even if you don't, I think Emma Donahue told a great story with a really vivid sense of time and place. And it oddly made me proud to have gone through childbirth and happy that I got to do it in an era in modern medicine because some of the techniques they used were like pretty shocking. (laughs) I really did feel a sense of solidarity with these pandemic moms. And I have to say the ending absolutely broke me. This book is really, really good, you guys. It is The Pull of the Stars by Emma Donahue. I think I have that on audio somewhere in my in my audio mm-hmm. file. Oh, it was so well narrated. So well narrated because it's the Irish accent. Brought the characters to life. I know the print book. I do have a print copy. It does not have quotation marks. So I can see how that gets not confusing for readers, but some readers I know don't like that. Listen to it if that bothers mm-hmm. you because it really, really was well done. That's a great tip. Okay, good one. Okay, my latest read is one that I had sitting on my literal bookshelf for I don't know how long, and it's Instructions for Dancing by Nicola Yoon. And Mm -hmm. I originally got this as a book of the month pick when it was one of the choices, and then put it on my bookshelf and didn't read it. (laughs) Story of my life. (laughs) That's how it goes. I know. So recently, I was inspired to pick it up after reading Courtney at Birdie and Bookland's review on Instagram and then hearing her talk in person at our Mood Reader Happy Hour about this book. I immediately pulled it off my shelf and also was able to get the audio. And I have thoughts about that. But I will tell you what it's about first. And this is a young adult book. And you know, I don't read a lot a lot of young adult. I'm pretty picky. So this one, it's a love story. But it's a different love story. And it's the story of Evie Thomas. She's a high school senior. Her parents have recently divorced, and she's bitter about that, understandably so, based on on what happened. One day, she makes a trip to a little free library to drop off some books, uh, romance books that she no longer wants because she does not believe in the romance tropes that she had been reading about anymore. But At that little free library, something happens and it changes her life forever. And you know I love a good event that changes someone's life forever. Mm -hmm. And, And from there, the story really takes off. It is very much her story, but also she has three best friends, a guy and two girls, and they have significant storylines There's also a boy named X, and he was one of my very favorite young adult characters that I have read. This is a story about family. There's family drama. There is friendship love. There is romantic love. There is dancing. And and maybe that's why it went on my bookshelf. And then I was like, oh, I I think I'm, I don't think I want to read about dancing. Like, I don't care about dancing. Uh, I loved the dancing. I loved the dancing part. I did. I loved it. And the story was not at all angsty. This was, to me, it was so smart. It was compelling young adult fiction. The characters were realistic young adults. Sometimes, you know, they did things that that high school seniors do that aren't the greatest of choices, but it made it realistic. The structure of the story I loved, and there was such a bittersweet aspect to the story. It went in directions I did not see coming. And I actually completely forgot about what this book was about. So if there's any way that 
you're interested in reading a bittersweet emotional love story with surprises, then I think go in knowing nothing else because I didn't even know the main plot points, which are in the book jacket and <laughs> in the like Goodreads and Amazon. So, and I'm so glad I didn't know that. Courtney had said that she cried. And I wondered, you know, I don't usually cry in young adult stories. And sure enough, by the end, I was mm-hmm. folding laundry crying. Because I, <laughs> I will say, I alternated print and audio, which I mentioned. Bonnie Turpin narrates, and she is so, so fantastic. However, There's conversations in the story that are through group chats and text messages. Mm. So every time someone would say it would switch perspectives, she would have to read it like that. So it became like nails on the chalkboard in those those Mm -hmm. parts. I I could not. It just annoyed me. So know that if that bothers you. I still think her narration is so good that it was okay to try it that way. But also, I think it would be perfectly fine in print. All in all, I loved this book. I loved it. I don't want to give anything else away. That was Instructions for Dancing by Nicola Yoon. What? No, that was great. Can you hear the menagerie barking? Oh, no. well, Can you hear it? I couldn't until it was just silent for a well, second. that's good. No, I couldn't hear it before. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into book talk. So for the month of January, Renee and I agreed to take a step back from Goodreads just to see if we could and to see how it would affect us. And how did this go for you? Well, it was interesting because I was very confident in the fact that I was not going to be returning to Goodreads and I have returned to Goodreads. (laughs) 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 And I'll tell you why. I've returned in a limited capacity because... I like Storygraph. I'm going I'm going to incorporate both of them together. But I found the Storygraph, what do you call it? like format? I don't know whether what other word to use. Really difficult to use because I need to be able to see all of my books that I have read. Mm-hmm. I want to see everything as soon as I pull it up. I couldn't do that with Storygraph. And maybe I'm doing something wrong, but mm-hmm. I had to do so many clicks to just get to the books that I had put in that I had read already. And I'd rather just see that right away. Got it. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I want to see the covers. I want to see so that I can, I don't know. I just like to visually keep track of the books that I've read. Now, I do like their charts and graphs. I like that everything automatically gets put in pie, little pie charts so that I can see Mm -hmm. uh, what am I you know, what am I reading? What genres am I leaning towards? What do I need to incorporate more of? I like that. So I'm definitely going to keep inputting my books on Storygraph, but I I went back to Goodreads. I did went ahead and signed up for the challenge or activated the mm-hmm. challenge because that's mm-hmm. the way I can quick click on view challenge and see all the books that I've read. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, so that makes sense. It's a it's a me thing. It's like what works best for me because even if I just kept a separate journal, which I have that too, but it's faster for me to put something in Goodreads, but then I'll also put it in Storygraph. Okay. How about you? Yeah, I'm similar in that I have been using the Storygraph to track my reading and I like a lot about it. I really like the graphs that it Mm. gives, and I like that it's less social. For me, the lack of social connection on Storygraph is actually really good. Mm -hmm. 
I agree. When you log in, I also want to see like what books I've recently read, like mm-hmm. super easily. Um, and, and it's there. You just have to click around a little bit. They first show you some other books that are like popular this week and, and recommendations and things like that. So you do have to do a little bit of like clicking around to figure out like, okay, wh- what am I looking at here? Um, so I do think the interface is a little less user-friendly. It also could very well be because I'm so, so used to Goodreads that it's just new. And I'm like, what am I looking at here? I think the social aspect, if I was looking for that, I would find it lacking with Storygraph. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they're upping it and they're, of course, continuously working on the the platform, which is great. I think if I didn't have this outlet and Bookstagram, I would miss that. All in all, I'll continue to use the Storygraph as my main reading tracker. But how I will use Goodreads moving forward is that I am going to add my reviews to it after they air on the podcast. Reason being, I want to support the authors. So many people still use Goodreads, and I want to add my voice to this and Mm -hmm. to the reviews. And I had a book talker reach out to me this week and ask me, hey, I saw that you read this particular book last year. What did you think about it? She saw my review on Goodreads. And I'm like, you know what? I do like that aspect. I like having my reviews up there for posterity, just for for ease of people being able to find it. I'm not adding books to my TBR there because I don't like that like automatically in the mm-hmm. feed. Like everyone's like, ooh, Tina added this book to her TBR. Like I like a little less, you know, visibility on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm doing the same. Yep. I'm using Storygraph for my TBR books and I am going to actually set up a challenge like you said because I do really like how it keeps track and I like just having the ease of access. But I am going to do it on a delay so that it's after the it's aired on the podcast And I'm also going to continue to not use star ratings because that has really, really worked for me in my brain. It makes me very happy to not have star ratings. You're not going to put star ratings on your Goodreads review? Nope. And I I stopped it probably six months ago, maybe less. I love it. It makes me happy. Okay. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, have you gotten any questions about like, hey, your review doesn't have a star rating? No. <laughs> and if they do, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, like, whatever. No, no one's ever asked okay. me about it. All right. Well, no, I am. I'm going to get better about putting my reviews on um, Goodreads because I agree with you. I missed helping authors yeah. in, the, in the time that I wasn't on Goodreads. And actually, I wasn't there December or January, really. You're right. I was going to say it's been a couple months. Yeah. So, so I, I do want to support authors. And now it's just... Everything that we do, like you said, I, I'm bringing it to the podcast first. So it's mm-hmm. just that juggling of making sure I go back and post to other places. But I do think, you know, that I feel like I'm, that's going to be a happy combination yep. to I use agree. both. All in all, we're going to continue to have multiple ways to track our reading, mm-hmm. which I think makes sense because I'm also using a digital reading journal. I've really been enjoying that, too. So. Right. I still use my book buddy. That's where my TBR is because I'm not putting books on Goodreads either. And it's really convenient for me to just pull up book buddy and put in books that I want to read. And then also like what I get advanced copies of that works so good for me. I also thought of another thing that I liked. I stopped looking at Goodreads for when I'm reading a book. I am not reading reviews or too much into the synopsis before I try something. And it's been going really well. I Mm -hmm. like that a lot. Now I will go to it and read reviews if I'm like almost done or it's like toward the very end because I'm like curious. Like, But by that point, I already have formed my own opinion and my own thoughts on it. That's been working really well. Right. Overall, it's working great for me too to not Mm -hmm. even check Goodreads before I read something. But then sometimes I need to know, well, I mean, when I'm looking for books, 
I don't want to see the ratings right away. So sometimes I agree. will check. I don't know. I don't really give that much value to Amazon reviews. So it doesn't sway me to pull up something on Amazon like it does Goodreads mm-hmm. and see what rating it has. I don't know why. Well, yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm kind of similar in that way. So yeah, that that's, but it's working for that's me too. That's where we land. I know. Right. That sounds good. I wanted to just close the loop on that because I was curious how you were feeling about it. I do want to introduce our new episode series that we're doing today. It's a new episode series we'll occasionally be bringing to the podcast, and we're calling it an advanced screening. And really, it's based on the idea of advanced screening in movies, Mm -hmm. which is a marketing tactic that allows some people to view a movie before the public release of the film. In our version, we're sharing reviews of some of our advanced reader copy books. So these books are not out yet that we will be talking about in a minute. And how was the process, Renee, in finding these books and deciding which ones to read and sticking to only arcs for you? This was tough because (laughs) (laughs) although it's exciting, I think I talked about on one of our other episodes, I like to research and get advanced copies, but then I tend to not read them until closer to the pub date or after. So this was hard because I also, I wanted to make sure that what I was reading I wanted to be pulled in immediately because I was my goal was to make sure that whatever I decided to bring, I at least really liked to loved because I didn't mm-hmm. want to bring a book that not only did I possibly say, yeah, I didn't like it and it doesn't come out for three months. I wanted to to try to find one that I really, really liked. So it took me a little bit of time. I read a lot of samples. So the ones I settled on, I really, really liked. And Good. and also, it was tough to not have any audio options because we don't usually get advanced copies of audios more than, would you say, like a couple maybe weeks? Maybe a month or yeah. maybe a month, yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. at the, I mean, so definitely not. I didn't, I didn't have audios for these. So it showed me how much I rely on audios a lot to help me get through reading so that I can still do other things in life. But on the flip side, it forced me to sit down and take time to read again. What about, what do you think? There's value to that. Yeah. I love it. I have no, (laughs) I I don't have a big problem. Yeah. Surprising no one. I really like sticking to books that I've been looking forward to. It was nice to like give myself permission, so to speak, to just read whatever I'd been most excited for. So that was my strategy. There were a couple books I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for this book. But if it was like summer, I, I skipped it. Mine are in March and April sphere. And I had one, Big success and then one that was less so. But I like reading early and I like it because I get to be one of the first to talk about it. I really enjoy that. Recently, I shared Brandon Slocum's book, The Violin Conspiracy. And then today we found out that Good Morning America picked it for their February book club pick. Mm -hmm. And I feel so cool that I've already read it and got there (laughs) first. It means nothing, but I enjoy it. I will say on the other side of things, when books are not buzzy yet, my posts don't get much traction. People are like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and mm-hmm. a handful see them, but no one has seen that cover very often before. But I do see some bump on the back end. But when it first comes out, like when I first talk about it, people are like, okay, you know, and then if they hear more and more sources talk about it, then it's most likely to get more traction. Whereas if you're reading the buzzy books of the moment, there are a lot of people to talk to about the book. Right, right. I think we decided on this episode based on your passion for new releases, <laughs> but also we did get a lot of listener feedback in our survey yeah. oh, mm-hmm. uh, of people saying, yes, they would like 
to hear about new releases. And I think the sweet spot timeline was three to six months so that they could Mm -hmm. get library holds and pre-orders and just know what's coming so they can kind of get Mm -hmm. a, a jump. And I totally love that aspect of it. I love being able to do that because I also like that. Like I would love Mm -hmm. to know so I can get the book on my TBR and get the library holds in. But when I finished, especially one of mine, I am dying to talk about it. And I don't think that there's anyone to talk about it with yet. So I hope that we can create some buzz on, especially for debut authors. I, I think that that will be really helpful and really nice for them that we could hopefully get Mm -hmm. some early, early buzz for their books. I'm making a face because both of mine are debuted, not on purpose, by accident. And one I am, I'm not like loving. (laughs) 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 Didn't love it. But I I do think there's a market for it. And I definitely will explain why I didn't love it. But okay. Well, all in all, I think this is fun. I think it's fun. And I think that Definitely, if our listeners would like to let us know if you like this episode, I think it's kind of a fun change up. So with that, let me tell you about the book that I do right. love. Here it is. Okay. First up for me is The Caretakers by Amanda Bestor Siegel. And this comes out on April 12th. This one is a debut and I would call it contemporary suspense. I think if you go into this thinking it's a thriller, you're going to be very disappointed. However, if you have the right expectation, I think it'll work. This is set in 2015 in a wealthy Parisian suburb and is told from the viewpoint of six women. And the story is centered around a group of au pairs, one of whom is arrested after a sudden and suspicious tragedy strikes her host family. And it's an exploration of identity, class, and caregiving. What I liked about this is that it starts with the end. A crowd is gathering outside the Chauvet home in the affluent suburb. It's in Maison Leroux. And I am not French, cannot speak French. And (laughs) I will say I'm going to do my best with pronunciation. But the audiobook of this was amazing. And I'll talk about that in a moment. So you've got this crowd gathering in front of this big mansion. And they're watching as the family's American au pair is led away in handcuffs after the sudden death of her young charge. That's in the, the synopsis. That's what happens. And the grieving mother believes it's the caretaker's fault And the neighborhood is thrown into chaos. They don't know who's at fault. Some of them are saying, yeah, it's probably the caretaker. You know, she was a little enigmatic. She didn't talk a lot. And then other people are saying, no, it's the mother. She is a lax mother and doesn't seem to really care about the well-being of her children. But then the story goes on into the perspectives of six women. You have Geraldine, their French language teacher. Lou, an incompetent au pair who was recently fired by the family next door. Charlotte a chilly socialite and reluctant mother, Natalie, an isolated French teenager desperate for her mother's attention, Holly, an anxious au pair learning and yearning to belong, and finally, Alina, the one accused of the crime. As you can probably tell by my description, there are a lot of characters, and I do struggle with that, so that was my biggest issue. You get taken out of the action pretty quickly. You have the setup, and then it kind of pulls back and looks really intensely at the lives of these six women. I did like that. The women are interesting in their own way. I enjoyed some of the women more than others, for sure. And they do have a nice juxtaposition. You have those with wealth and those that have and belong, and then those that do not. So that was an interesting—I can see why the author structured it this way. 
but I have to say some of the sections dragged on. I'm like, can we please get out of this character's brain? Because like, I am bored. I, <laughs> and you don't want to be bored. I will say some of the characters are super unlikable. That was actually my favorite part. It was like the unlikable characters. I was like, okay, let me know more. What's going on here? What's the drama? What's the tea? And I do think this book served as good proof that you can never quite know what is going on in someone else's mind because it's got this omniscient third-party narrator. So you're getting into their heads. And I like that it explored appearances and that a certain appearance can hide what's going on beneath the surface. I think I would have DNF'd this if it wasn't for having an audiobook copy. It was narrated by Saskia Marleveld, who is one of my all-time favorite narrators. And her French accent is incredible. Mm. I, I kept trying. <laughs> I kept like walking around the house and be like, Charlotte. <laughs> and, like, I can't speak French. Don't know it. <laughs> but I would like try to imitate the accent because it was just so good. But if you like the sound of a story about rivalry and keeping up appearances, about class, family, friendship, nationality, and belonging, with a subtle mystery backing it, if that sounds good to you, get this on your radar. It was The Caretakers by Amanda Bastora Siegel. That actually does sound really good to me, and mm -hmm. especially the audiobook. And I did take five years of French. I probably can't speak anything other than, like, je m'appelle which is my name Ooh. is and i could keep i could keep my name because it's yeah. french oh it is yeah mm -hmm. yeah 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 so i don't i'm actually really interested in this one yeah i would say give it a go especially if you are somebody that like is a francophile you like like france i have no connection to it but if you like that you might enjoy this i don't hate this book i mm -hmm. was expecting it to be more suspenseful i think so that's on me I know why people were comparing this to Big Little Lies. No, don't do that. Oh, okay. Don't do it. And that's not the book's fault that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mm -hmm. just think that's you know, that is an unfair comparison. Right. I do see why, because you've got, you know, just like Big Little Lies, it opens with a crime, but like, don't do that because it'll set yourself up for disappointment, I think. Okay. Well, you said subtle mystery and actually that appeals to me. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, yeah, give it yeah. a shot. I would love to know what you think. Okay. Well, my first book comes out April 26th, and it is Like a House on Fire by Lauren McBrayer. This is a debut. This was a wow book for me. It's a wow book. This Yay. is the one I teased you about that said, I can't stop thinking about this book. The enticing blurb is, what would you do if you found the spark that made you feel whole again? And this is very much a what would you do? What are you going to do? This is the story of Merit. And she has been married for 12 years. She has two little kids. Like, I'm When the story starts, one in three, maybe, little boys. She loves her husband. But, you know, she's in, she's in that place. She's almost 40. And she's just not sure, is there more? Is there more? Like, mm -hmm. what, what is this life that I'm living? Am I happy? And she decides that she does want to return to work. She was an architect then had left that, left her previous career. So she decides to interview, and she intervie interviews with a sophisticated, witty, beautiful architect named Jane. And Jane decides to give her a chance and hires her. And from there, what transpires is, is not only like a friendship, that develops between her and Jane because Jane is also about 20 years older than Merritt. And 
neither one of them had, I mean, Merritt had some close friends that she kind of lost touch with and just wasn't on the same page with. Her and Jane really hit it off. They have, the dialogue in this story was phenomenal. I mean, from start to finish, I felt like I'm in this story. These are real people. So much family drama, so much of Merritt grappling with, she loves her husband, but is there more? And then you've got the career aspect. You've got, there's so much happening in this story. And it's it's very hard to talk about because I don't want to give any plot points away. Merritt herself decides what she decides. Sometimes I felt so much sympathy for her. And at other times I was so angry with her, especially some of the choices that she made and around her boys. And it challenged me to step back and say like, okay, I'm just like, what do I think about this? But also I, w- mm-hmm. I want to be in the story. It was page turning from start to finish. Not that there weren't some parts that felt a little long, but it didn't matter. I was in the story. I had to know not only what was going to happen with her, with her family, but what was going to happen with her and Jane. It was very interesting. It went to places I didn't expect. It's definitely going to challenge people, women as readers, because the way she interacted sometimes with her husband, the way she thought about her husband, the way he interacted with her. I mean, there's so much to unpack. In the spring, I feel like if people are looking for a book club book, this is going to be it. Mm -hmm. I see this. I see this as a potential celebrity book club pick. I see this as a huge buzzy book for people to put in their beach and pool bags. This is going, I predict that this is going to be something to talk about. I will say this book is heavy on the steam factor and heavy and also explicit. So know that reader, reader know that it's quite explicit and it's throughout the book. So it's not even, I mean, it's throughout the book. Know that didn't bother me at all, (laughs) but there's a lot there's just a lot going on. I could see this as a movie. I really could. I think I think check this out. Keep it on your radar and and potentially for your book clubs. Yeah, keep this one in mind. And the author made a really interesting choice. Surprised me so much at the end. So much. So, try not to read a whole bunch of reviews. Just if this sounds interesting, pre-order it. Get your library holds in. This was Like a House on Fire by Lauren McBrayer. Mm. Well, I've already uh, requested it on NetGalley as you were talking. Oh, yeah. One of those books. It sounds so freaking good. It sounds to me like a Jenna, like a read with Jenna. You know what? I was was trying to think, who do I see picking this? I think I can see Jenna. I can see Jenna Mm -hmm. picking this. Or GMA. I mean, Good Morning America always has like a buzz book. I I can see it being that, too. Mm-hmm. But I definitely can see Jenna. Um, this one, I'm ordering a signed copy. It's going on my five-star bookshelf. Yay. Yeah, we, I can't we, we wait. We need like to... a sound effect for when Renee for, puts a book on her five-star bookshelf. Bing! <laughs> we do. We need to do some. Maybe John can get us a sound effect for that. Okay, now I need people to talk about it with. Right. <laughs> well, I just requested it. And if the if the request gods grant me one, I'll definitely try and get to it soon. Okay. I would. I would love that. All right. What do you have next? All right, next for me is a book I loved. I loved it. And it's one I want to see everywhere when it comes out. It is 
Memphis by Tara M. Stringfellow. This comes out on April 5th, and it is another debut. I did not mean to do that. And I honestly didn't know it was a debut until I looked it up later because it's so well written. Mm -hmm. Not to say debuts can't be well written, but this one did not feel like it. This is a story that traces three generations of a Southern Black family. In the summer of 1995, 10-year-old Joan, her mother, and her younger sister flee their father's violence and seek refuge at her mother's ancestral home in Memphis. Half a century ago, Joan's grandfather built this house in the historic Black neighborhood of Douglas, only to be lynched days later after becoming the first Black detective in Memphis. Joan longs to become an artist, and she has gone through some things and pours her rage and grief into sketching portraits of the women of North Memphis. You also get the perspectives of Joan's grandmother, Hazel, her mom, Miriam, and her aunt, August. The story unfolds over 70 years and weaves back and forth in time to show how the past and future are connected. When I hear 70 years, I think, okay, this is going to be a big taking on. But what the author does so well is gives you short chapter, short chapter, short chapter. And at first, it's kind of disorienting. You're like, wait, I was just in 1995. How am I now back in the 30s? What's happening here? Trust in the author. It really comes together well. And this should have been hard to follow. But honestly, the author did such a good job getting you invested in the story that I did not feel lost. I will say you do have to pay attention. And I'm not sure that this one could work well on audio because there's a lot of different viewpoints. Maybe if they had different narrators, it would work. But there were some difficult parts to read in this, including a sexual assault and abuse. But there's also a ton of scenes with Black joy and Black love. I loved the relationships between the sisters, both the children's sisters as well as the adult sisters. These characters and their dialogue made me laugh, especially Aunt August. She was my favorite. And I read that this was inspired by the author's own family history. She wrote this as a Black fairy tale she always wanted to read, which I loved. It is about what we pass down to our families. It's about activism, justice, forgiveness, and most of all, love. I really, really enjoyed this book, and I hope you get it on your radar. This one was Memphis by Tara M. Stringfellow. Okay, that does sound good. I loved it. I feel like it's in the vein of a W.D. Du Bois, the love songs. I feel like it's in the vein of possibly homegoing, but a little different tack. It's 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 one of those books. Okay. It's really good. Yeah, I do love a story that spans many, many, many years. Me too. And that's what I had meant to add is that I have been looking for a story like this that spans many years that mm-hmm. focuses on women. I see so many that focuses on men and male relationships and this and that and the other, but this one was about women and I loved that. Okay, great. All right. My next book is Tell Me Everything, The Story of a Private Investigation by Erica Krause. It comes out March 15th. This is part memoir, part literary true crime. And it is the story of a landmark sexual assault investigation and the female private investigator who helped crack it open. This book was nuts. And the tagline drew me in because private investigator. And then when you read about her introduction, she basically is one of those people. It's a crazy story. It didn't matter where she went. People would start talking to her. She could be at the grocery. She could be sitting on a park bench. If somebody, she would say, how are you? Or they would say, how are you? They would immediately start spilling confessions and telling Mm -hmm. her very personal 
stories. And she was so used to it. It had happened to her for years and years and years. And she goes into a bookstore one day and goes to pick a book. And at the same time, a man is going to pick the same book. And they end up chatting. Within that chat, he tells her he hates his job. He thinks he might leave it. He's a lawyer and blah, blah, blah. And when they finish, he's like, "Um, wait a minute. I don't even know why I just told you that. And she's like, happens to me all the time. And he's like, you need to come work for me. Hires her to be a private investigator. She was never a private. Yeah, it's this a true story? It's a true. Yeah, right? It's a true story, Tina. This is a Google rabbit hole of all Google rabbit holes because he hires her interspersed be- between this present day because he's starting work on a sexual assault case that takes place at a big 12 university within their football program. Oh, gosh. And so she tells you in the beginning of the book that this is based on true events. She has changed people's names depending on the circumstances she's made. You know. So I knew that this is a true story, but I knew the names were changed. So what we get is this crazy unfortunately true story about this case that early 2000s is when it took place. There was a girl and she was raped by many on a football team. So this lawyer gets the case as a civil rights case because Mm -hmm. the DA chose to not file any charges based on nothing, even though the, the girl went and got a rape kit and all that. And so What transpired was Erica's total immersion in the story because come to find out as she really expertly weaves her own background, she has a very traumatic background. Her childhood was sad. And so you get bits and pieces of that. You get to see how she is, the way she is, why, what makes her such a good private investigator when she didn't have any training. And little by little, how this case spiraled into something that changed laws and changed the course of college recruiting, football recruiting. And I mean, I worked with student athletes at a Big Ten university and with football players. This was almost like a a surreal type of like, wow, like I've been in that type of environment. I understand Mm -hmm. how big college football is. It was fascinating. It was truly fascinating and also really, really sad. Once I finished, unfortunately, if you go on Google and try to just Google, you know, sexual assault cases for Big 12, even Big 12 universities, you get you get a lot. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I was able to put together clues. <laughs> I figured out the school. I know who it was. And I looked up a bunch of stuff about that. So if you like to be able to incorporate real stories with something like this, you you probably will be able to do that. I, I thought this was excellent. So fascinating. There is a lot of talk and visuals about sexual assault. A lot. This is That's the basis of the case. So know that. And Erica herself had a very hard time with aspects of that case based on her history. So just be aware of that as a reader. But I love, I mean, I love this book. I thought it was fascinating. It's Tell Me Everything, The Story of a Private Investigation by Erica Krauss. 
Wow. That does sound, I don't want to say it sounds like a Renee book because that's like, it feels weird in this set, mm-hmm. in this case, but like it definitely, I mean, it's true crime and it's got right. your, like Private when you set this up, I was like, wait, excuse me, hold on a minute. Yeah. Right. And even right. a woman who's like able to get that job in that strange way, like that sounds right. really, really fascinating. I didn't, I didn't know when I chose this or started reading it that this was set in a big 12 university the case that they were doing. I had no idea. So that was yeah. inter- that was interesting to find that out and then read about it. Yeah. Well, can I can I do a sharp left and, and sure. go into Weather Corner briefly? What's going on? Breaking news. Are you getting a blizzard? Breaking news. Well, I just got a text from our editor. Please talk about the weather on this episode, LOL. I have so much to say. <laughs> it's cold. There's a blizzard coming. Also, that eruption may cool the global temperature by two degrees. Oh, so. Wow. Crazy times, man. Crazy times. Global warming is real. Oh, man. I thought, okay, well, tangent also, but I um, I thought just the blizzard was hitting the East Coast. As of this, well, actually, we're recording just a f- few days before this is going to air, like mm-hmm. Friday. Yeah, it's going to so air on Tuesday. Hopefully, y'all on the East Coast are safe. Right. I don't know if he's talking about a blizzard in our area or not, but I guess I'm going to find out. Right. I mean, <laughs> I saw a bunch of stuff about that. Well, I, I mean, Boston's getting like two feet of snow right, right now. I saw, Allegedly. yes, yeah. that's what I, I was, ooh, I was like, oh man. I know. How dare we even attempt to do the podcast at, without a weather update? And a January episode at that? Who do we think we are? I know, I know. Uh, all right. All right. Well, we gotta, we have to do shelf editions. Let's. All right. Let's do our shelf edition. Let's do our shelf edition. I'm changing tack. I'm getting into a different mood. Even though it's no longer spooky season, my spooky heart is always on the lookout for good scary books. <laughs> so whenever oh, I see it, one, I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. So my shelf edition this week sounds like a great one. It is called Bone White by Ronald Malfi. And I've heard that author a lot in the horror space, but I've not read him. This also ties into the winter season as it's set in a landscape of frozen darkness. It is about a mass murderer who is leading the police to his victims' graves in remote Dreads Hand, Alaska. And that area is the same bit of wilderness where the protagonist Paul's twin brother went missing a year ago. And as the bodies are exhumed, Paul travels to Alaska to get closure and to put his grief to rest and to try and figure out what the heck is going on. But the mystery is just beginning because when he gets there, he finds superstitious locals who are talking about the devil stealing souls. They have a line of wooden crosses to keep what's in the woods from coming out. Excuse me. He finds no closure because no one can explain exactly what happened to his brother. And the more he searches for answers, the more he finds himself becoming a part of the mystery. This sounds intense, but I have to know what's in the woods. Why do they have those crosses? What's What are they keeping out? I got to know. Mm-hmm. This one is Bone White by Ronald Malfi. Ooh, that sounds so good. Spooky. Is that out right? now? It's out now. It came out okay. in 2017. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, we both bought, we're both bringing back lists. Yes. for our shelf edition because mine is also backlist and it is After You'd Gone by Maggie O'Farrell and it came out in uh-huh. 2001 and I chose this because I read Hamnet and loved it last year and I want to yep. read more Maggie O'Farrell and this seems like a subtle thriller it's about a distraught young woman and she boards a train to return to her family in Scotland Six hours later, she sees something so terrible in a mirror at the train station that she gets on the next train immediately to head back to London. 
what follows is a story through her mental health and journey and her own past after, at some point, there's a traffic accident that leaves her in a coma. And I'm I'm so intrigued by this because it it's described as also a love story that looks at our choices and how our choices can impact us and impact our family through generations. And then it closes with the fact that there is a dark secret at her family's heart. Although it sounds a little scattered, but I'm curious about so many aspects of that story. So it's After You'd Gone by Maggie O'Farrell. That does sound really interesting. I've got to read this author still. It's a shame I haven't yet. She's so, uh, what I was so impressed with her writing in Hamnet that I never ever Mm -hmm. thought I would like that I feel like she's a trusted author, although I've only read one of her books. But the way she writes and people talk about her, I I feel like she's really good. That's how I feel with Emma Donahue. I've only read now one, but I'm like, I have to read more now because she's so good at creating tension. And it's, uh, it was, it was awesome. But anyway, that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Truly, it does help us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, like we said at the top of the show, if you want to get access to our bonus content, you can join us over on Patreon for $5 a month. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at tbretc, and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Storm warnings go in effect tomorrow evening and last through Thursday evening for Kinkakee County and all of Northwest Indiana for that potential of 6, 12 inches of snow, if not more. And then central southern Cook County, all of Will County, Grundy and LaSalle County under a winter storm watch right now for the potential of seeing some spots exceeding half a foot of snow.